0: There is a lot of confusion right now about the differences between test blind and test optional and test required. And I think a lot of that message has not quite trickled down to parents and to students quite right now.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eliminated Podcast. I am your host, Kieran Kuritala. I have with me Dr. Kelly Frindell, the owner of in house test prep and has been providing expert effective test prep for. SSAT, ISEE, SAT, and ACT since 2001. For over 20 years, she has assisted thousands of students in achieving testing success and providing students with the tools to get into schools of their dreams. Dr. Kelly's love and passion for helping students exceed their expectations is the driving force behind her companies and her success. Dr. Kelly graduated in honors from Trinity University with a BA in psychology, then obtained her PhD in public health from the University of Texas School of Public Health. She currently works with students of all ability levels across the country. Kelly, welcome to Illuminated Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Great, well, this is very opportune discussion for me because my son, uh, Varun, who recently graduated from high school, um, and uh, you know he was, he had, he was in ninety five percentile on SAT and others. But I've seen both him um, prepare for SAT and AC uh, SAT specifically, and also all his friends. And there's a lot of you know a lot of discussion about whether SAT and ACT is relevant for college admissions. Can you talk to students, because there's a lot of confusion also saying, oh, you know, this institution is test blind, this institution is test optional. But from everything I'm seeing, um, SAT and ACT are still front and center of 80% or more college admissions. Can you talk to us a little bit about why this tests are important, um, at least as of right now, um, you know, post-COVID, if you will?
0: Sure. And there is a lot of confusion right now about the differences between test blind and test optional and test required. And I think a lot of that message has not quite trickled down to parents and to students quite right now. And at the beginning of COVID, most of the tests were canceled pretty much overnight when everything shut down. There were no tests basically from March until about November of 2020. And that year, most of the schools went Either completely test optional, or they just didn't require them at all, and Mm -hmm. that was kind of what was happening that year. And then last year, some of the schools chose to stay test optional. The ones that had gone test optional, some of them decided to go back to tests. Some of them decided to drop them altogether. And things are still evolving, though. Some of the schools that said they were test optional are now going back to having tests. Like MIT just recently came out and said they're going to require tests again. And some schools never stop requiring them, like the schools in Florida uh, still have required them all of this time. And so mm-hmm. there there is a lot of confusion about what that means. And I know that a lot of the parents who come to talk to me, they're like, oh, well, my kid doesn't have to take the test. All the schools are test optional. And it's turning out that that isn't necessarily true. Right. And I don't really do the admission side of things, but I've been speaking with a lot of educational consultants who do work on that side of things. And what they're seeing is that some of the schools that say they're test optional are kind of really only test optional in name only. And if you drill down into the data that's starting to come out about who they're admitting and who they're not, there's still a big advantage to having test scores on record.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, Test blind is different. Um, I can imagine test blind being a real case than a test optional because if it's test blind, they completely ignore the case test scores. Correct. And then mm-hmm. they are forced to look at everybody qualitatively on their GPAs, essays, and extracurricular activities. But if it's test optional, when you take a 1560 SAT student and a student that has not submitted an SAT, the 1560 SAT trumps everything else In a way right so the point is that still has a weight and how do you weigh it against something that's not there uh, for a student who has not submitted the test score so i do agree that test optional is definitely a um blurred line just to get them to get more students to apply maybe but you know let's ignore that uh, because i know your focus is on um helping students succeed because If you think about it, um, despite all the discussion about test scores and why they're relevant or whatever, it's easier to get a 1400 plus on SAT than to get a 4.0 or 3.5 GPA. Um, am Am I not correct in saying that?
0: It, it depends. And there is information that test scores give that you can't get from other sources. That's true. And it does give a way to compare students in a way, because with grades, a 4.3 at one school, maybe a 3.9 at another school, and it's very right. difficult to compare. And, and colleges do you know about difficulty levels for schools and that sort of thing. So they have their own ways to, to deal with those things. But a lot of times providing a test score is a, a very solid concrete way of proving or showing what your abilities are. And there can be ways test with tests. They are predictable. They are learnable. They are coachable. And while people Mm -hmm. do have really real limits on what they can score on them, sometimes, yes, it can be easier to get those scores up than to, um, affect the long-term process of grades and that sort of thing
1: yeah but just talk to us like let's say um in fact a couple of my um, high school friends are having sophomores in um in high school right now a couple of my schools that I went to high school with have kids who are now (laughs) in high school (laughs) so uh, and they were asking like my kid is a sophomore how do I get them A, prepared better for SAT. So can you talk to us a little bit about, SAT or ACT for that matter, standardized tests, what can a parent do to help their student, help their child understand why the standardized test is important and how do you get them to prepare for that? Can you give us some high-level overview as parents so that we can coach our kids better?
0: Sure. So one of the first things that's really important with test prep and taking tests, the first thing that is probably the the most important is, um, is figuring out which test to take, whether a student should take the SAT or the ACT. And the schools that are still accepting scores, all schools will accept both the SAT and ACT at this point. It used to be different in the past. It was more regional. Some schools in one part of the country would take just the SAT and some would just take the ACT. But now it honestly doesn't matter which test that a student takes. And typically what I do with my students is I have them identify which test will be easier to prepare for before we get started. and. The easiest way to do that is to just take a practice test for each of the tests, and you can find free tests online. That's usually the easiest way to do it. Um, you can have your child take an official test, but a lot of times it's just quicker and easier and cheaper to get it done at home, and you get enough information from doing something like that. And you can't quite compare SAT and ACT; they're not apples to apples tests. But mm-hmm. an easy way to do them, to compare them, is to look at the percentile ranks of where somebody's scoring at, and you can reasonably compare those. So if someone's scoring in the 50th percentile on the SAT, but scored in the 70th percentile on the ACT, ACT is gonna be a clearly easier test to to prepare for. And so typically that's the first thing I always have kids do is figure that out. And then once you know which test is right for your child, you can decide on a test date to take. And the tests are spread out throughout the year, kind of about every other month. And there's typically at least one test of something in any given month. And once you have a test date, and I always think that's a really important thing to do, because if you just give a book to a kid and say, here, study for this test that you're gonna do sometime in the future, but we don't know exactly when it is and that sort of thing. They will not prepare for it. Those books are giant and they will put that book under their bed and never look at it again. Um, so having a specific date in mind is a good way to, to get people into gear for things um, with preparation. And there are some kids who can study on their own. If you do give them a prep book, there are some kids out there who will sit down and study it. But I found that's not most kids. And most kids do need some help with it. And that can be in the form of group classes. It can be individual tutoring. There's a lot of online programs that now exist. Sometimes schools have options for
1: people to take classes and that sort of thing. Hmm. That's great. Um, I think there's, I like the fact that we can take ACT or SAT. And I agree, the scale is ACT is up to 36 and SAT is up to 1600. there's two things, right? Because some some kids are stronger in math, some kids are stronger in English, and some kids are stronger stronger critical thinking. How do you help? Uh, I like the fact that your test prep helps students that are star performers or you know whatever you want to call them, or gifted students, and also students who are um, not as strong on one of the elements. How do you help a student who comes and says, you know, I don't like math. I don't I'm not good at math. I will fail in SAT. What can you do as a test prep helper or coach to help them get past it? Because some of it is psychological, some of it is actual um, you know, abilities. What can you do to help students that struggle with their own competency or confidence?
0: So about half of my students that I work with do have time accommodations for some type of issue like learning disabilities or dyslexia or ADHD or test anxiety or regular anxiety. And what I found is just like you said, a lot of these students are very anxious and they come in and often they're from families who are very high powered families. You know, parents have very important jobs. Their brothers and sisters are people who have gone in and sat down and taken an ACT with with no prep and gotten a 34 or 35 just because they have that natural ability and when some of these students come to me often they're scoring much lower and they say to me all the time they say what's wrong with me why why can't i do these tests why am i dumb i'm not going to be able to go to college i'm never going to have a successful life and so a lot of what i do honestly is just talking kids down because sure. they are they've heard their whole life you know this test is so important you have to perform you have to do well it's going to su- set the course for your whole life And what I really try to convey to them is what these tests mean and what they don't mean, because they are important. They're an important part of the college admissions process. And so you have to play along with that, because
1: it's Mm -hmm. part of the
0: system, it's part of the game. But what they don't really understand is that these tests aren't IQ tests, and they don't measure how smart a person is, and they don't measure how good a person is or what their self-worth is. And they really don't measure either if they're going to succeed in life. There there are sure. some predictors about how they might do in first year of college and that sort of thing. But honestly, they don't say anything about a student except for how they did on this particular test on this particular day. And mm-hmm. so that that's something I talk a lot with my students about because nobody's ever told them that and right. I want them to do a good job I want them to be able to get the score that that they need for the schools that they're looking at but it's also important to me that they put it in perspective as well because it isn't yeah. a measure of self-worth and they they really have internalized that that oh this says if I'm a good person or not and it doesn't right
1: yeah like everything else in life I mean this is all just a. Stay- Scale and the scale mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. Whether you're six feet tall or whatever is the same thing. A city is somewhat like that, but obviously, um, you know, you can definitely increase your test score if you work harder. Right. Um, and I think as long as we explain to them that I think we should be fine. But I I agree with you. It's that um, with Georgia, for example, we have uh, schools like Georgia Tech, University of Georgia, and Georgia State, Georgia State University, and frankly, there is no score that a kid can get, um, you know, unless it's like below 3.0 GPA and below 1,100 or something, below 1,000 or something on SAT, uh, not, not sure what on ACT is, they can get into a school 100% guaranteed in Georgia. Uh, between uh, one of these four schools, Georgia Tech, UGA, uh, GSU, and Kennesaw State, and that's a great thing. I'm pretty sure most institute, most states have similar provisions saying, you can get anywhere from you know, Cal State University all the way to University of California or community college. And there's nothing wrong with any of these choices. You mm-hmm. learn wherever you want to learn, but you know having, having the discipline, um, I think this is where the butt is coming in, is that if a student um, shows that they can work hard And get a better score, and they build that confidence that what they do uh, can result in better result can can have positive consequences. That builds a potentially positive um, future growth for them eventually. Because ultimately, I feel like most of education is all about that building up the confidence that. You have an agency on your life. If you finish your assignment on time, you'll get a better grade. And if you get a better grade, you will graduate faster. And if you graduate faster, you do something with your life. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you drop an assignment, you'll have a you'll fail miserably. But I think that concept of giving them the idea that what they do has consequences is something I feel good about with the learning. Am I off track there? Like how do you build that confidence for students?
0: Yeah, so a lot of it is with repetition and because confidence comes with repetition and being able to master things. And what I tell students when they come in, a lot of them do get frustrated very early on because sometimes this is the first significant barrier that they've run into. Like they've been able to kind of skate by on their native intelligence in school. And now they've run into an obstacle that they don't quite know how to get around because they just haven't encountered it before. And I tell them too, they aren't expected to necessarily know how to answer some of these questions, especially the trickier types of testing questions. SAT in particular has some tricky math type things that don't, that don't go in the way of problems that they've learned to solve in school. And so they're like, well, why don't I know this? I'm good at math or, or they say I'm bad at math or whatever. And they aren't expected to know everything and things are learnable with practice and repetition. And I tell them if you spend the time and energy on this, you will improve. And I've done this for 20 years and I've probably only had one or two students and they had other issues going on who did not see improvement, but pretty much every student with some practice will see improvement in some way, because it's pretty right. much impossible not to practice and not
1: get better. And I agree. I think that is the, that's the idea, get them into the model of practicing and uh, seeing the results of that, uh, if you will. Um, you know, I really, I'm very intrigued by it because I know we, you know, previous episodes, we talked with several other speakers um, that have, um, that do test prep and also do tuition, tuition analysis as well. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about you know, your company uh, in-house test prep? How does it work? Is it remote only or is it on site? Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about how it helps students that are in this model to try to learn as, as well as they can?
0: Sure. So when I started my business originally, um, which I started back in 2007, it was an in-person business and people came to my business. We sat down, did face-to-face tutoring, and that was the model I had intended to follow forever. And right before the pandemic, I saw that people were starting to take their tutoring businesses online. I was traveling and I thought, oh, I want to travel and be able to work and that sort of thing. And I had really resisted it for a long time because I was afraid Hmm. of it. I was afraid of going online and I thought there would be too much resistance from the parents and from the students. And in January of 2020, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my business online. Good timing. And I had this idea. It was going to take me three to five years to get out of my office and get parents on board and get students on board. And, and then I would be online and it took three months in a pandemic. And I was online. And since then I have have been doing all virtual appointments and sessions with my students. And because all of the students have had exposure to Zoom, most of them have at this point, it's worked out really well to do it. And I I sometimes have parents and also kids say to me, they say, oh, this isn't going to work because my child had such a bad experience with Zoom school. They can't, they can't do Zoom. And I I have a subset of parents who are convinced their kids can't do Zoom. And what I tell them is that Zoom school and Zoom one-on-one tutoring for an hour are two really different things. And honestly, I, I could not have sat for seven and a half hours looking at zoom and listening to a teacher with 30 other kids on you know black box on the screen i couldn't have done it either it sounds like torture and of course they had bad experiences with that sure. but that it is a really different experience when it is one-on-one and with the the tools that are available on the internet They're perfectly suited for for doing tutoring online because there's whiteboards, you can annotate, you can share PDFs, I can see what the kids are doing, they can send me screenshots, that sort of thing. And so it it really, that method of delivery has turned out to work out fine, even though... I I was so afraid of it for so long. And now I think, why did I resist this? And it's so (laughs) much easier. And because my students are so busy and they used to come see me after school, you know, at four and five o'clock and they'd sit in traffic for half an hour each direction. And it was a Mm -hmm. huge waste of time. And it's very easy now for them to just go from whatever they're doing at home to, okay, now they're online, we can do our lesson. And when we're done, they're back at home and they can pick up right with what they left. uh, They can pick up where they left off.
1: That sounds great. I mean, I'm glad that you managed the timing so perfectly, you know, almost like it's almost like prophetic uh, that you started in January 2020 and March 2020, everybody was forced to shut down and work or learn from home. Um, and I agree with you. I think Zoom classrooms are, I, I feel, I am, I feel nothing but empathy for the teachers who had to deal with it, mm-hmm. trying Absolutely. to make uh, justice to those students, uh, but students are have suffered the most as well. I'm glad everybody's back in person. Um, And so you do one-on-one tutoring. You don't do like, you know, classroom of 10, 15 students uh, for your SAT or ACT tutoring?
0: Correct. At the moment, I do all individual one-on-one. And in the past, when I first started teaching test prep, I, I taught Test, uh, SAT classes for one of the major chains one of the major test prep chains and what I found is that the way that we were taught to teach this class is really right down the middle for kind of the 500 level scores on the SAT sure. which is 50th percentile. And what I found is that the students who were very advanced were bored because we were covering material that was too easy for them. The Mm -hmm. kids who had a harder time with tests were confused because they didn't know what we were doing because they were missing some critical skills. And then the middle level kids were bored because the the classes are just long and it, Mm -hmm. it, it can be difficult to learn in that setting. And it's not impossible. And there are plenty of people who are doing group classes successfully. Right. So I, I don't want to say bad things about those. But what I have found for a lot of students, especially kind of the middle level scores, is the one-on-one attention is really effective for them. And I have a lot of kids who come to me who said, I've already taken this group class. And mm-hmm. th- I find that they haven't learned the things that they needed to learn. And some sure. of that may have been, the material might not have been presented. It also may have been that the student wasn't paying attention to it because sometimes kids are not always the most nar- uh, reliable narrator. So I don't always know right. what is exactly true and what has been filtered through their experiences. But I do find that the one-on-one experience really allows us to customize what we're doing because yeah. there, there are certain things that all students need to know about the test because there are certain strategies and ways to approach things that everybody should know, but then people have their own individual strengths and weaknesses. And part of test prep is figuring out where the easy points are, because there are things that are easier to improve for most people. And then there are things that are harder. And in some ways it makes more sense to go after the easy points. And also while still working on the things that are hard for people, but um, you, you just need points and you wanna get them wherever you can.
1: That's great. I mean, I do like the idea of virtual learning and remote remote learning, because I think uh, that's what technology is for, and you're absolutely correct. It'll help you with things like uh, preventing the commute time and other issues as well, and also see what they're actually doing on their computer um, and do share your screen and others. But how do you deal with the psychological aspects of le- remote learning? Because one of the, again, um, we we have been, we are a technology company, and we uh, we we had to make decision to move most of our employees to in-person because while we can get stuff done in a remote setting, a lot of the emotional aspects or, you know, psychological aspects are more accessible to you when you see them in person. Um, you know, how do you reconcile that? How do you balance the emotional needs? Because a lot of test prep is all about, you um, stress management as well because they're still going through their hormonal changes whatever's going on in school whatever's going on in their house house and the life all adds up to that how do you balance the life aspect and the teaching aspect or learning aspect of this
0: part of the way that I do that is through the relationships that I do cultivate with my students and I, I do that very deliberately and so I will always spend the first couple of minutes of each session. And I did this in person and I do it online as well because it's particularly important to me. And I ask them what's been going on, what's happened since I saw them last. And I usually tell them, ask them to tell me something interesting that's happened. And sometimes they'll say nothing interesting has happened. So I'll say, okay, tell me something uninteresting that has happened. And they think that's funny and they can usually find something to tell me that's uninteresting or I'll ask them the same that's thing on very interesting. day. And this was actually something that caused me a little bit of stress at the beginning of COVID, because I've always worked in an office one-on-one with students, and I've always had these conversations. And I know it's important to develop that kind of relationship with a student. And at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was shut down and everybody was suddenly home, I was doing lessons with kids who in the kitchen, and their parents were nearby. And I always felt a little bit nervous about their parents overhearing me spending these couple of minutes talking about not non-test prep stuff. And I, I always worried that maybe the parents were like, why is she wasting my kid's time talking about these things? But I I know it's such an important part of this process. And sometimes what's helpful with test prep is just that I'm not their parent because there's a whole set of dynamics built into obviously parent and child relationships. And what I've found often is that parents will try to get their kids to study for these tests and they'll give them these books and they'll say, here, do this stuff. And the kid doesn't, and then they get into a power struggle about it. And then everybody's mm-hmm. unhappy. And one of the advantages of me not being their parent is there's no dynamic like that. And so they will often tell me things that they won't tell their parents. And also they will do work for me in a way that they won't for their parents either. But, but that only happens if we develop that relationship.
1: That's great. I mean, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, and I think everybody uh, needs it. I mean, as a background, uh, Waroon, um, uh, my son, he finished his high school, but also in his last year of high school, he did... Uh, he actually worked for a company called Patrick Craig Academy in uh, down in Suwannee, um, Georgia, where they did test prep. Uh, he helped coach his fellow students. And a big part of that, his work has been just exactly what you're describing, working with you know, fellow high schoolers and helping them get past that, um, you know, whether it's knowledge, knowledge gap or just the stress gap to make them see. And one of the ideas, the why Patrick Craig um Is hiring some student workers so that the students can see their fellow students um, and say, oh, he did it. So I I should be able to do it too. But again, you can accomplish it in many ways. But um, to take it uh, one step further, I mean, I I love the fact that you are so committed to your students. I love the fact that you're helping so many students. um, get the training and support they need on the most important milestone of their life. What led you to this? Uh, what, what drives you, if you will, to, to help and commit yourself to helping students?
0: So I actually got into test prep because I took a test myself uh, when I was a senior in college, I had to study for the GRE, which is the entrance exam for grad school. And at the time, and still it had a lot of vocabulary on it. And I, I remember I learned 1040 vocabulary words for this test and had my big stack of flashcards. This was back in early 2000. And when I got done and I thought, oh, I should use this knowledge for something. I should use those <laughs> thousand and forty words I just learned. And I also realized I really enjoyed studying for the test. And um, at the time it was really the internet was just getting going at the time, and there really weren't online programs and that sort of thing. So I checked out all the books out of the library, went through all of them and put together my own study program. And what I realized is that test prep is a game and there are strategies and there are things to do and there are systems and there are patterns and they're learnable and they're coachable. And I thought that was fun. I'm like, oh, I'm beating the system and it's a legal way to do it. It's not cheating or anything like that. The there are codes to be cracked. And, and Mm -hmm. so during my senior year of college, I I got hired by one of the national companies and learned SAT prep from them, and then continued to do it on the side uh, while I was in grad school. And then when I finished grad school, I I had intended to be doing things with my degree, but I actually ended up starting my business instead. And Great. I I actually use that story a lot with my students because I knew from the ninth grade on that I wanted to be a psychology professor. And I set up my life in that way. I made sure my high school, that I did what I needed to do. When I was in college, I did all the things to get me into to grad school. It's a very competitive uh, area to get into. And I did. And the second day of school, I remember sitting in a classroom thinking, this is not the right decision. This is the wrong choice. But I was 22. I had just spent eight years working towards this goal. And I was conditioned to believe that, okay, if I start something, I have to finish it no matter what. And I stuck it out for three years and it, it was just the wrong thing. And I, I did end up switching eventually from psychology to public health, which was a better fit for me. But I like to tell that story to my students because they've also heard their whole life, oh, you've got to decide what you're going to do. You need to know if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a banker. teacher or whatever. And Mm -hmm. at 17, 16, 17, 18, what they think they want to do is probably not what's going to happen. And so I, I tell them that to let them know the pressure that they feel to make this, this decision that feels like it is the decision for the rest of their life really isn't because you never know where you're going to end up in life. And I did not mean to end up teaching test prep that, you know, I, I wasn't sitting in ninth grade going, Oh, I need these geometry skills. So I can, I can teach this in 20 years, but, but that's where I ended up. And I love it. I love how my life turned out. And so I really try to convey that to my students that no matter what you think is happening now, something else is going to happen and it will be fine.
1: Right. No, I think we are both aligned in many ways. In fact, like I, when I came from India, um, I had to take GRE and TOEFL as well, and uh, um, you know, it's kind of an experience in itself because in in India we we were taught in English, but it's not our primary li- language of uh, communication, if you will. And um, so that was a learning effort in itself. And uh, same same story I tell it to my kids as well is that I did my master's in medicinal chemistry. Now I'm an entrepreneur doing technology. But what is relevant in terms of learning or even test prep is that giving that idea that you have to complete something, you know, is the key. If you drop something in the middle, whether it's you're learning to swim or learning to golf or doing test prep, you'll get into the habit of dropping them, dropping things in the middle. And sometimes you have to, there's nothing, uh, there's no choice, but if you give up too quickly, then life will keep giving up on life as well. And I think that's, again, at least for me, that's a discipline that whether it's a test prep or education gives me. And I think once people get that in their mind that whatever I do, I will try hard before I give up, I think that will help them build the discipline to become successful, whether it's at work or test prep or in anything else in life. Do you agree with that or is that?
0: Yeah. And, and it is. In, there are two different thoughts there. It is important to be able to stick to something and work hard and that sort of thing. And I do a lot of my kids are like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. I'm just frustrated. I just want to quit. And and with those kids, that is a skill that's important to learn, that you can persevere and that you can continue to push through things that you don't enjoy necessarily. And and with test prep, what I tell the kids to, it's time limited. It's just a very short amount of time. They need to put some effort into it, and it it will. And I also tell them to think about why are you doing this. Like it's not I'm I'm not helping you with this to torture you. I'm trying to help you achieve something that you want to achieve. So we talk a lot too about what their goals are, and to remind them, okay, they're doing this because they want to go to this school, or they want to try out this thing, or they want to go there, that sort of thing. So that is that is one skill and that is an important skill for sure. And then there is also knowing when, that it is okay to back out of things that aren't right for you, that after you've tried it and given it a good effort, which is not necessarily test prep, because test prep sometimes you do just have to, to make yourself get through it. But that if you're going down a path in life of anything of education of jobs of your hobbies that if you come to a point where you realize it's not right it's okay to to find a different path
1: i agree i think that's that comes with discipline as well and i think that's where the again there's a lot of discussion about you know performance and i'm not my score i'm not my whatever and i do agree with that and empathize with that and i definitely appreciate it but as long as we build the cadence that I have given it whatever I can, uh, whether to be successful and then give up, I'm fine with that, like whatever it is. Um, But again, it's each person has to build their own future. Um, Speaking of future, um, you know, where do you see education going? Uh, Do you see the test, standardized test to be the gold standard for admissions? I know you're not the admissions expert, but um, do you are you seeing any changes to how standardized tests like SAT and ACT are administered, or will continue to be the focus for admissions uh, for the next few years?
0: So, yeah. It's true that I don't do the admissions side of things, um, but I have been speaking with a lot of consultants who do the admissions um, side, and what they have been telling me is that the tests are going to stick around for a while. And I've I've always suspected. I've been teaching test prep for twenty years. I I've suspected there was going to come a day when when the tests were really going to fall out of favor, and I I had been hoping that would be in about the next five to ten years. I suspect COVID has sped that up um, because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the schools jumped ahead head a few years and they they probably would have ended up test optional eventually anyway but COVID kind of forced people's hands in some ways and so I don't think they are going to fully go away but I think they may lose some of their importance and schools are finding that by by not having these tests they're they're having a lot more people apply to to the schools and so there's a it's a little bit law of unintended consequences is suddenly they're now getting so many applications they don't have the staff in place to to handle all of the applications. And so some schools like MIT have got, they're saying they're going back to to test scores after this. And so, and a lot of scholarships and merit aid and that sort of thing are still based on tests as well. And so I I think for at least the next five years they they don't seem to be going anywhere and and they still are gonna be important for kids to take. Beyond that, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with them. There, There's some talk of developing other types of tests The University of California system, which had a big lawsuit last year, who said they can't use the test at all. They're now test blind completely. They Mm -hmm. had some talk for a while that they were going to develop their own exam. And then that talk has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit from what I understand. And so schools may develop their own tests, they may develop their own procedures for evaluating students in different ways. So it will continue to evolve but I don't know exactly what's going to happen after the next five years, but for the next five years or so, they're they're still an important part of the emissions landscape.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately everything in life, again, knowing and managing employees myself, everything in life is about um, pursuing a goal and trying your best to reach it, whether it is through standardized tests or your education or um, anything else. It's That's what we're trying to build as part of the, discipline, if you will, for the young learners. I, I hope that um, this will evolve. I know there's a lot of discussion against standardized tests, but you know there should be some yardstick to measure them. Um, it's not like if MIT or Stanford gets like 50,000 student applications, and if you have no basis of evaluating them other than looking at every essay, looking at every student's portfolio and talk talking to them, that's not humanly possible. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that standardized tests are the only way to do it, but there should be some quantitative way for them to say, you know, this is the group of people that we want to make a decision on. Again, unfortunately, we don't have to deal with those decisions. Um, uh, Ultimately, I think I really appreciate you um, taking your time and building a business around helping students. I really appreciate you spending your time time on Eliminated Podcast, Kelly.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it being here.
1: Great. Listeners will post in the show notes some of the links to uh, Dr. Frindell's um, website and also the Test Prep Academy. If you are a parent, you want to um, have one-on-one coaching, certainly you can reach out to her directly. Dr. Frindell, uh Dr. Kelly Frindell, thank you so much for joining the podcast.
0: Thank you. Everything is a service. Whether it's finding ways to help students reach their goals within higher education sharing medical records to patients quickly and securely, informing residential customers of an impending outage, or communicating with remote satellites thousands of miles apart. All of it requires data, integration, and communication. At in we provide services that make all of these possibilities realities. And we make it faster, simpler, secure, and easier. Because we believe everything is a service and bringing everything together is how we can help you innovate and change the world.